Well, good morning. My name is Hang. I'm the worship pastor here at Fairfax Bible Church. I am the new guy. And thank you so much for praying for us, welcoming us, and just loving on our family. It's been awesome to move to this place. We love it here. Can you tell from my Facebook pictures that I post? Thank you, Brian. <laughs> love it here. Love all the parks and recreations and all the national parks, all the wonderful restaurants. But most importantly, we love God, and we love you, and we love God and what He's doing in this church. He's doing some amazing, powerful things. Amen? And we're so excited to be here. And today, we're going to study a familiar passage in the book of 1 John chapter 4, entitled this sermon, You Before Me. And I see three truths in this passage today. And the big idea is this, <clears throat> that God is love, and if we are to love one another, we must come to know God through His Son. It's a pretty basic but important message. First of all, the source of love. If you have a Bible, please turn to 1 John chapter 4, uh, beginning of verse 7 there. Notice what love is not, right? Love is not a place. Love is not a place. If love is a place, let's say Las Vegas. Anybody been to Vegas before? No? Yeah. <clears throat> then we all should move to Vegas and be happy, right? Well, guess what? The first day I lived in was Nevada, and I lived there for a couple of months. And quickly I found out that Vegas is just a glorified piece of desert with a bunch of toys. People are not very happy there. In fact, they are, a lot of them are pretty greedy. They're not happy. They're miserable. Love is not a place. And guess what? Love is not a thing either. Everybody just pull out your phone real quick like that, yeah? Let's say you have an iPhone 12, right? You feel pretty good about that, the new camera and all that stuff. And three months later, they come up with this new thing called iPhone 12 Pro Max. All of a sudden, you feel a little sorry for yourself, don't you? Like, dang it, I should have wait. Look at all this feature, right? Love is not a thing. Love is not an activity. Love is not a task. Love is not indulging in mindless entertainment. Netflix, YouTube, you get pretty tired after, you know, an hour. True love is not found in human relationships either. Look at all the broken marriages in Hollywood or in this world. Look at all the foster children in our system. Love is not found in human relationships. So if love is not found in places or things or human relationships, then you have to ask, where can we go to find true, lasting love that will sustain us? I'm so glad you asked. The Bible said, love is not a place, but love is a person. Love is a person, and God is love, and he's a source of all love. Let me read verse 7 one more time. He said, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 7 begins with the word beloved. Evidently, John is writing to believers in several Gentile congregations. By this time of the letter, Jerusalem had been destroyed back in A.D. 70, and believers scattered throughout the empire because of persecution. And so this was, it was a really difficult time to be a believer, right, because of persecution. Yet this was God's way to advance His gospel, His kingdom, and at the same time sanctify His people. So some of these younger congregations are tempted to conform back to the worldly standard or false teaching. And so John writes them this letter to emphasize on the gospel. 
right? That eternal life is found only in Christ Jesus, that God is light. And if you walk in the light, you have fellowship with Him and with one another. And God is love. And if we are to love one another, we must know God. And so the Apostle John was an old man in this letter as he's writing this. He has a nickname. Do you guys know what his nickname was? Okay, so I'm here to tell you. So his nickname was the disciple whom Jesus loved, John 13, 23. John was among the three closest friends, disciples, Peter, James, and John, right? Perhaps they were among the earliest of Christ's disciples and had been with him the longest. They were present during Jesus' transfiguration in Mark chapter 9, and they were also with him in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26. In other words, they have seen Jesus' highest of height, and they have seen Jesus' lowest of low, right? They have been, uh, John was very dear and close to Christ, and no wonder he writes so much on the topic of love because he has been loved by Christ. Notice in verse 7 and 8, again, John calls believers to love one another, and he gave us two reasons. One, because love is from God, that God is the source of all love. Secondly, because God is love. And that's why the God of the Bible is a trinity. So you have to ask yourself, what does the trinity have to do with love? It has everything to do with love. You see, because God did not create us out of boredom or loneliness or sadness, He wasn't like, I'm so bored. Let me make me some human beings and play them like chess. That was not the case. You see, before the foundation, right, of the universe, of the world, God was already infinitely happy, infinitely complete and satisfied within the triune Godhead. God was already infinitely complete. He didn't create us out of boredom. He created us so that we may share in His love and fellowship, so that we may share with others. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, are in perfect fellowship and unity with one another, right? There are different roles and responsibilities. The Father sent the Son. The Son did not send the Father, right? The Son voluntarily laid down His life for the church, His bride, that's us. And the Holy Spirit is, is producing, producing fruit in us right? Transforming and renewing our minds through the words. So the Trinity operates in diversity of roles and responsibilities, but lives in perfect fellowship, harmony, and unity. And out of that beautiful fellowship, He created us, and He called us to love Him and love one another. And so, according to the Apostle John here, it is impossible for us, it is impossible for us to love one another truly without knowing the God of love, who is the source of all love. You see that argument? Two implications out of this. First point. Number one, first of all, you are special. Turn to your neighbor and just smile and say, you're special. You didn't mean that. Say it again. (laughs) Mean that, right? Because you are image bearer of God and because God loved you. And that's why you're special, right? You're uniquely gifted and designed to reflect God. So when we love one another with our distinct genders, gifts, and roles, we're simply reflecting the diversity and the unity in the Trinity. Oh, I love that. Treat it worthy right there. Right? We're reflecting the diversity, unity within the Trinity when we love one another with our distinct gifts. A couple of applications here. Why would I want to marry someone who looks like me, act like me, think like me, eat like me, right? 
Wouldn't that be a little bit boring? Do you want to marry you? <laughs> be honest, right? Not really, right? I want to marry someone of, of the opposite gender, opposite sex, with different sets of gifts and talents and skill, so that my marriage would be more rounded. Not only that, so my marriage would reflect the Trinity with our differences, right? Also, why would I want to go to a small group full of people who look like me, think like me, act like me, and agrees with me? How boring is that, right? How will you be challenged if your small group is all about you and look like you, right? How would you become the better version of yourself? That's why I love my small group. Some are missing, <clears throat> right? There are different people from different ages, ethnicity, backgrounds, different walks of life. Abby is not really my small group. I just invite him because I love him. Well, Abby, where you at? I love you, man. So, yeah. So as we love one another and do life with one another, there will be friction, right? Remember the, the Proverbs, iron sharpen iron? What happened when iron sharpen iron? Spark. Turn to your neighbor and say, sparks. Yeah. Tension. We need to learn to forgive. We need to learn to listen. We need to learn to what? Do life together, right? But somehow... God ordained us to be different, but to be together so that His love, so that He would be magnified and glorified. Amen? So don't be afraid of differences. It is a strength and not a weakness. Second implication, yes, you are special, but life is not about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, life is not about you. Not about you, guys. <laughs> Listen to this. You are not at the center of God's heart. You'd be like, what kind of church is it? I thought I was supposed to be loved by God, right? No, no, no. You are not at the center of God's love. Who is at the center of God's love, you may say? God's glory, God's name, His fame, His will, right? And out of that commitment to his, Himself and to His own glory, He created us. And then when we messed up, He redeems us. You see? Because he's so committed to his own name, he gave us, he made us, and he redeemed us. I love this, this verse, Isaiah 42, chapter 9. I am the Lord. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. I will not. God said, I'll give you my love. I'll give you my protection. I'll give you a whole bunch of stuff. I love you, man. But my glory, you cannot have. You can't. You can't bear the weight of that. We're not designed to make life all about us. So don't make your job about you guys, right? Work for the glory of God. Don't make your singleness about you. Use your time and resources to build up the body of Christ. Marriage is wonderful. Everybody who's married, raise your hand real quick. Isn't it wonderful, right? Wonderful, but guess what? Marriage will end on the day of Christ's return. Marriage is wonderful, but marriage is temporal. But worship is eternal. And in Christ, you can worship God today here on, on, on earth. And in Christ, you worship God forever and ever. Marriage, it ends. Marriage is only a shadow of what Christ, how Christ loved the church and how the church should submit to Christ. It's a shadow. It's a sign pointing to something greater. Single people, make muchness of Christ Love Him here and now. Certainly double people. Marriage. Love God, right? Worship Him well. For those who are going through affliction and suffering, suffer well for the glory of God. 
Yeah? Suffering has a way to make us very self-absorbed, very self-centered, very, very selfish, right? So don't do that. Invite God and others into your suffering. Let suffering produce what? Humility, community, Christ-likeness, holiness in you. You don't have to suffer alone. We're here to suffer together for the glory of God. Amen? So before God was committed to us, He was first committed to Himself and His glory. And yes, you are special. You are special. But life is not about you, but it's all about Him and His glory. The source of love is God. And out of this Trinitarian love, He created us to share with Him and with one another. This leads us to the second truth. The gift of love is Christ. God has given us a very special gift. And this gift is His precious Son. You see, God express, expresses His love to us in many different ways, right? His love is seen through creation. I love your part. Front royal, royal front, mix them up. You know, the waterfall thingy, beautiful. Makes me want to jump in there and just, you know, swim. But don't do that, Right? Beautiful. God's creation is beautiful. Love is seen through His creation. Love is seen through His creativity. Love is seen through God's provision and constant care for us. Every moment, every breath is a gift of God. But all of these gifts are pale in, com- in comparison to the gift of His Son. Who? To the- all of these gifts are pale in comparison to the gift of His Son. Let's look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we may live through Him, verse 10. In this, His love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The only way we can live the life of love, loving God and loving people, is through the Son. But because of our sin, the falling short of God's glory and His standard, we have now disconnected, separated from this God of love who is holy and righteous. If you don't believe humans are sinful, try raising a two-year-old boy. Amen. Hey, who's that? Mark, thank you, right? Actually, he turned three yesterday, right? He loves me, Right? Every morning, oh, Akira, that's his name. We picked it from Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. I'll read to you this verse. Yesterday was his birthday, so I kind of want to give God's glory. I, uh, Daniel 12, 3 said, And those who are wise shine, shall shine like the brightness, that's his name, Akira, brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. He's to shine, not his own glory, but God's glory. Amen. And so every morning, he climbs into our bed, and he looks at us, and we're sleeping. He goes, yee, pushing our face. How about Aki? How about Aki? And after like, you know, 10 minutes, when my wife said, you deal with him. I said, okay. <laughs> and I say, what about Aki? He said, how about some milk? How about milk? You gave him some milk. He'd be like, how about juice? How about juice? I said, no, how about some breakfast? How about some broccolis, right? We love you. See, to him... <laughs> The universe wraps around Akira, right? Everybody are his servant, especially grandma. Grandma's here. <laughs> I want that, that one. No, that one. Everything is about him, right? 
He has the face of an angel like his mom, but he has a sinful, wicked heart like his old man. <laughs> and all of us, selfish, selfish, selfish. No, we never taught him how to say no, but he just got it like the day he was born. No. <laughs> Go to sleep. No. The Bible said the heart is desperately wicked beyond cure. And because God is not only loving and merciful, but He's holy and righteous, He must punish sin. Romans 6, 23. <clears throat> For the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Have you received God's gift of love? Have you trusted Christ to be your Lord and Savior? And this is the most important decision you ever have to make. This is the most important because it has implication for your life here on earth and forever and ever. So if you have not received this gift of love, you can today. The Bible says simply repent of your sin and trust Christ, right? Trust Him because He died and rose again for you. God cannot love you anymore today. He cannot love you any less. If you go out today and smoke a pack of cigarettes and rob a bank, He loves you a hundred gazillion times. If you walk an old lady across the street today after church, God loves you the same because He loves you for, because of who He is, not because of your performances or your failures. He loves you because of who He is. All you have to do is admit that you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, you're not wise enough, you're not sexy enough to be your own master and savior of your life. How is that going for you when you live life the way you want it? Awful, miserable, right? Turn that to the Lord. I love this definition of sin. I stole it from a group called CEF, Children Evangelism Fellowship. So I need your help in this, okay? So everybody raise your hand. Sin is anything we think, anything we say, anything we do that breaks God's commands and makes Him sad. Isn't that wonderful? I love that definition. I use that to my wife and my kids and me. Let's do it again. Sin is anything we think, say, and do that breaks God's command. Romans 10, verse 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you have accepted this gift of love through Christ, you are forgiven, yeah? You're free from fear because perfect love drives out fear. You're free from anxiety and worry because the Lord is your shepherd. And when the Lord is your shepherd, all of your wants, all of your needs are found in your shepherd. When God is all I have, God is all I need. Pastor Duncan said this um, in the Bible, propitiation is not something that we provide to God to get right with Him again. It is something that God provides to us that we may be justly and mercifully forgiven and accepted. And He does this at His own expense through the loving gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. No one can pay a debt, the debt of sin, only Christ said. So this gift, the gift of His Son is the most important demonstration of God's love. And we will spend eternity singing 
dancing, eating, fellowshipping, worshipping, talking about Christ and all that He has done for us. We'll spend eternity. Can't wait for that party. The source of love is God. The gift of love is Christ. And finally, the completion of love is one another. Let's read verse 11 together. Ready? Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is the Apostle John's flow of thought, is that if we truly have received God's love through his Son, then we should be able to extend his love to the people around us, beginning with the people closest to us. God's love is incomplete until we give it away. God is, God's love is incomplete until we extend that love to one another. First of all, what is love? What is love? That song has been stuck in my head. That phrase, actually, right? I just need to get it out. What is love? How do we define love? Well, this is how the world defines love. Me before you, right? My need, my needs before your needs. Or this one, oh, I love the way you make me feel. When I'm with you, you make me feel good. But when you stop making me feel good, I stop loving you. This kind of love is conditional. You love me so that I feel good, but when I don't, bye-bye. That is self-centered, selfish, worldly kind of love, right? That's not true love. Biblical love said this, you before me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you before me. You guys are so loving. Look at that already. Mm, sensing the spirit working. You before me. Jesus put our needs before his own. Jesus put his father's will and agenda and his kingdom before his own. He laid down his life. You before me. Give you an example. When we walk into a new church or small group setting, new place, I usually, we tend to think to ourselves, we have this mentality of, here I am. Here I am. Will anyone look at me? Right? Will anyone talk to me? Will anyone play with me? Will anyone serve me? Will anyone notice me? Right? But if we have been loved by the Almighty God through His Son, then we don't need to walk into with that kind of mentality because our hearts is filled with God's love. We're full to the brim. So we can walk into a new place, small groups, church, whatever, and say, there you are, right? Instead of the here I am, you have the new mentality. There you are. There you are, I see you. There you are. I, I hear you. I notice you, right? Instead of how can I be served, you can say, how can I serve you? How can I listen to you? How can I bear your burden? How can I pray with you? How can I encourage you? Tell me more. I love this example of sacrificial love, the there you are mentality. When I told my previous church and our friends that we're moving to um, Fairfax, they were praying against it. I said, no, that's not the way of God. So I said, all right, let me just check it out, all right, just calm down. So we came, we prayed, we met, and the Lord just moved us. We were so moved by God. 
his love, his jealousies for you, the way he's sustained you and love you. And he said, I kind of want some of that, you know. And so he said, we have to move, guys. And they said, you know, we can't really pray against God, can we? And so without saying anything to them, kind of, and I said, Lord, we don't know how to move this thing. There's a lot of stuff. And there were three kids, one of them really selfish. <laughs> Actually, all of them and the parents. And so Ryan, uh, the guy with the hat, you know, just spread the word. And he, coll- he, he gathered a group of men. And he said, you know what, Hank? Why don't you drive your ma- minivan to Fairfax and just go on a vacation, all right? Don't think about the house. We'll pack it for you. I said, yes. And, and, and what else? Right? No, I'm kidding. We'll pack it, we lower it, and we drive it. I said, that's a lot of work. He said, I know, but we love you. We love you. And so that's what they did. Poor things, four of them, driving. Little, little car that I have, a little trailer, and there was a big storm accompanied them. In Chinese culture, that's good luck. That's good. It means that, like, they're important, you know. There's a storm coming. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> and so they were driving through, <laughs> through a big storm. And then they brought their sleeping bag and everything like that. And we were, they were going to sleep, right? But then we found out the apartment is too small. It's too much stuff. I said, you can't sleep here, guys. So we booked a hotel for them. And one guy, the guy who's taking a picture, Randy, so loving. He said, you know, I can't make it that day. But what I can do is I'm going to fly in so that I can drive home with Ryan. Because the other three guys, they have to fly back to go to work. They have to work. Come on. I'm kidding. When we heard that, we were just blown away. Like, what did we ever deserve, right? Aren't you glad I didn't call you and say, hey, guys, come pick me up? He's like, yay, thank you. No, we were just blown away by their sacrificial love. They didn't have that mentality that, here I am, hang, serve me, notice me, love me. He said, no, we've been so loved by God. Our love is oozing out. Could you please give us the opportunity to serve you and your family? They have that there you are mentality. So beautiful. Certainly, when we got here, um, we needed some meals or whatever, so we signed up. And then we probably needed like three days because we're little people. One meal could, you know, three, four days easily, right? After three, four days, the organizer said, there's so many people. Could you extend one more week? Kind of said, sure, free food. Why not? And after that one week, the organizer said, could you extend another week? I said, we're going to sign up for a gym because this is too much food, guys. Come on, you're killing us. You, you guys love well. And when somebody needs to move, you're right there helping them to move, you know. So thank you for having that there you are mentality as well. As we close, I'm going to challenge us with three applications, how to love God and how to love one another better. Number one. Be devoted to the Sunday gathering. Make Sunday worship a high priority. Sunday is the time and place where we experience God's manifest glory and presence the most. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25. He said this, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Stir one another, encourage one another. Another passage says, encourage one another daily, right? If you don't see each other, how are you going to encourage one another? If you don't spend time, if you don't know each other in small group, outside of small group, in church, outside of church, 
How are you going to obey God's command? You can't. So you need one another, right, in order for God's word to be applied and obeyed. So make Sunday a priority. Notice a lot of friends and family come visit, especially on Sunday, instead of, no, you know, go visiting a part or whatever. They say, I would love to do that. I would love to do lunch with you. But let's go to church first. And after church, let's get some dim sum. And if you don't know what dim sum is, don't worry about it, all right? Actually, talk to me. I'll show you some, some dim sum place. After church, you can do fellowship, right? Guard that Sunday morning time. It is God's manifest presence and glory revealed among us. I love worshiping in the car like a crazy person. And God's manifest presence is like this small. But when we gather as the redeemed and sing and worship and love and forgive and pray and listen and obey God's word, God's glory is right there. Beautiful. Be devoted to the Sunday gathering. Secondly, be devoted to serving one another. I'm so glad Ryan already said this earlier. Serving one another on Sunday, serving one another outside of Sunday, right? Jesus said this, love this. It is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, 25. There's a sweet blessing that you don't know of until you give and you serve. You may be giving your time and energy, but what you're getting in return is joy, contentment. That is something money cannot buy, right? Only God in serving the Lord that you experience that deeper friendship with one another, deeper walk with the Lord. And if you're not serving in some capacity, I would say this gently, you're missing out. You're missing out. Talk to your small group leaders. Go on the church website. Sign up. Serve the Lord because you've been so loved. Love this passage in Proverbs 11.25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The world say you need to get in order to be happy. But Jesus said you need to gift, give in order to be happy. Since God is limited, limitless in his nature and he's the ultimate giver, you will never run out of love and service because the person who's giving is not you, is not me, but is Christ himself residing in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Lastly, so devote yourself to the Sunday gathering, devote yourself to serving, devote yourself to praying, praying for one another and praying with one another. Love this verse, Acts 2, 42. And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. What did the early church devote themselves to? Three things. The apostle teaching, the word of God, fellowship, and prayer, right? If someone share a prayer burden after church service, don't say this. I'm going to pray for you this week. It's wonderful, right? In my experience, it's best to pause and pray. Hey, brother, can I pray with you right now? One, because I forget easily, yeah? But when I pray with that person right there and right, you know, I will remember that prayer, and I will remember to pray for that person. When somebody texts you in your small group, don't say, I will pray for you. I normally text them and say, hey, is there a good time that I can call and pray with you, brother? I will pray for that person right there and right then. Um, 
I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I close, guys. I had an amazing lunch with my brother this week. Um, you know who you are, because I'm going to show a picture real quick. After this lunch, uh, downtown Fairfax, he invited me to pray, not just a regular prayer. He said, hey, brother, would you like to go on a prayer walk with me? I said, man, the last time I did that, I was on like a mission trip 20 years ago in Indonesia, right? And so we began to walk around Fairfax, and uh, we spent some time praising God for his goodness, for his faithfulness, for his kindness, and then we began to confess our sin, our failures to one another, and then we began to pray for our church, pray for our senior pastor, pray for a drummer, pray for more setup and tear down, and then we pray for our city, our community. Did you know that our church... We have a prayer team, and I want to invite all of you to come this week. All of you. It's on Zoom. You'll be all right. You don't have to wear masks, all right? <laughs> come. We pray every Friday at 3 p.m., led by a wonderful brother, Adrian. Thank you so much for leading us, brother. And a lot of times, people are getting off from work or, you know, on the way to, Will was getting a haircut, so he was like, hey, man, I might need to drop out. It's okay. Pray. If you need to go, go. We pray for one another. We love one another. And we, 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 we love God together. I love this verse in 1 Peter 4, 7. He said, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. You know, I thought Peter was going to say, be self-controlled, sober-minded so that you may have unity, which is cool, so that you may uh, preach better, or so that you may, I don't know. But he said, have self-control, sober-minded, so that you may pray. The end is drawing near. We are in the end time. We need to pray. Seek God. What if all of this pandemic, all of the disappointment you have, all of the joy you have in life is simply God's way of getting you to pray, to seek Him, not just His provision, not just His hands, but to seek His face and to delight and to enjoy Him. Don't make it about mass. Don't make it about this and that. Make it about the Lord and his love for you and his love for his glory. Amen. Let's bow together. You can play As you quiet your heart this morning, church, how has God spoken to you? Just take those things and pray back to the Lord. Give us for loving created things instead of the creator. Forgive us for focusing so much on our agenda or even our brokenness instead of what is beautiful and glorious, which is you. Help us, Lord, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Help us to treasure him above all things. Thank you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. All God people said, and please stand and worship together.